Hello, it's Charlotte's sister C. Farrell, host of Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running senior-led podcast that invites you to do what you love. This podcast is for you if you love writing or telling stories, if you love sharing poetry or doing interviews. This podcast is for you if you love working on ways to create age-friendly cities. This podcast is for you if you love learning how to tame technology and get more out of virtual events, if you love finding more ways to share your heritage or traditions. If you love any of these things, you can go beyond listening and join our weekly podcast group. Simply email pbaafc at gmail.com and put your name in the subject line. Powered by Age is sponsored by the Government of Canada, New Horizons Grant, the 411 Senior Center Society, and G&F Financial Group. Hello and welcome to Powered by Age. This is Thursday, September 9th. I'm Charlotte Sister C. Farrell, the podcast host. Today, you're invited to discuss why, what, when regarding senior issues. We have special guest presentations and a creative writing activity by three of our regular podcast members. Uh, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge that our work takes place on the traditional unceded homeland of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. And um, we advocate and do things that are in line with having that land reconciled with the indigenous people at some point. Uh, what we do at the beginning is have people just give a brief introduction of themselves. And today, rather than where you're from, I'm gonna ask you, what is an issue? What's the most pertinent senior issue to you? And then Marion and uh, Susan will introduce last and they will begin with our discussion. So, Leslie? Yes, I'm Leslie Hebert from New Westminster and I think one of the most pressing senior issues is affordable housing. Okay, uh, Neil? Uh, yes, uh, my name is Neil Ryan uh, and uh, I guess for me, the most important issue uh, is the cost of dentistry and uh, whether they could subsidize it or in fact, I think at one point in time in British Columbia, uh, dental was included and then they cut it out because it was too expensive. And now remember that you have a question that we'll ask Miriam. Somebody on one of our podcasts said 411 had a link to some dentist who only charged $40. So no, I wanted to just. No, 40%. 40%. Okay. <laughs> 40%. Okay. So we'll, we'll track that down. Um, Nancy? Oh, I think accessibility is always an issue, regardless of whether you're a senior or not. And your name is? Oh, I'm sorry, Nancy Sinclair. Prafula? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, I'm really uh, uh, concerned about uh, retirement homes for seniors and availability of it, but not so much that as the way the pricing of retirement homes is, uh, you know, it's way beyond some of our, you know, budget. We cannot afford $6,000 a month living in a retirement home, and which leads me into nursing homes, you know, the scarcity of nursing homes, mm -hmm. you know, as 
as well as the way nursing homes are, you know, um, supervised. Those are very important issues. Thank you. Uh, Delsa? Oh, you have to unmute. Mute? Okay. No, no, unmute. (laughs) (laughs) Unmute, Delsa. Can she see me? Unmute. How do you do unmute? <laughs> <laughs> I, unmute. We can't hear you because you're muted. You do use sign language. <laughs> just, just put the mouse over where the microphone is, where it says mute, and click. I think she was. Oh, yeah. Is it okay? There. Now, now we can Perfect. hear you. Perfect. Something came on the middle of the screen. I just stopped it. Like Leslie was saying, affordable housing is starting today. Uh, here in Mississauga, there's, uh, let me just give some statistics. 200 um, seniors waiting for a bed every day. And it takes two years to get in. And I have, I have a lot of friends uh, who live alone. And they shouldn't be living alone. And you know, and um, and it's not, it's not good. It's not good. In in like 20, 20 some years, there'll be twenty percent more senior, because the the um, the uh, lifespan of uh, people are getting longer, and this government can seem to keep up with the demand for housing, housing, housing. You know my fervent wish. My vibrant wish is like build a big, big government complex, 100% subsidized around when, around our area when there's a lot of land, like around Peterborough, Bronte Park, and um, and um, there should be like uh, like uh, like a standard rate, for example, I don't know, $500 a month, and if they know that we live alone, we go there. It, it, it's just, it's uh, it, it's it's not. It, it's crazy to to know people like me personally. My friends are living alone, and they shouldn't be living alone. Okay, thank yeah. you. That's an important point, um, Dr. Ramona. Can you unmute? Sure. <laughs> oh, what we're we doing? People, you introduce yourself and one thing that you think is a pertinent uh, issue for seniors. Okay, um, so I'm Dr. Ramona. I'm a, I'm a newcomer to Canada, a retired um, professor, Bombay University, um, a writer of a few academic texts and books in history and French. And um, I think it's important for seniors to socialize, like, you know, meet people like we are doing and to... to um, keep their brains fit. Mm-hmm. So that that's from me. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, and each time as we get ideas from things people want, we're working on scheduling things ahead. So we definitely, uh, Dr. Ramona's contacted us 
connected with someone where we will have a discussion about brain health in one of our future podcasts. Okay, now that brings me to the honor of introducing um, Marion Pollock is the chair of the 411 Senior Center Society. She has been an activist involved in housing issues, health, uh, working with alliances with other uh, senior centers to get such things as the reduced cost phone, get things like the free uh, income tax service uh, for senior citizens, uh, senior citizens. And so she has also been part of a senior issues group that last year we had a panel discussion where people from across the country uh, talked about things that were issues in their groups. So we are happy that she's going to be bringing forward uh, a pertinent issue and helping to facilitate our discussion. And then we have Susan Gage. Susan and I are both excitedly so exciting being, I'm going to be 75 on Saturday. She is 75 and she is ferociously working for environmental issues. She is one of the elders around the Sacred Trees Project and she is going to give us some information about that. And so we'll just start with Marion, and then you'll get further in indications from both of them of things that they're working on now. We're also looking at what can we do beyond the election? How do we hold people accountable? How do we contact and stay, uh, use the energies of each of you who have issues? How do we go beyond being interested in something to making something into a bill, a law, or a practice that happens and helps life better for older people? So, Marion? Well, thank you very much, and early happy birthday, Charlotte. You know, you deserve to have a wonderful birthday. So I actually, as Charlotte said, I'm the board chair of the 411 Senior Center. And so I just want to pick up on what some people said. Um, Dr. Ramona talked about how important it is for seniors to be connected and things like that. And I agree, but one of the, one of the, some of the community organizations that help seniors stay connected are, are, are senior centers and nonprofit community-based senior serving organizations. And what we need for these organizations is funding at all levels. Um, so we don't have to keep applying for grants. We don't keep on having to apply for funds. So we can address seniors, you know, we can provide an environment for seniors to socialize, to learn, to have fun, and things like that. So I think in this election, one of the issues has to be uh, core funding for, for, for nonprofit community-based seniors organizations, because it's one of the few ways in, in which seniors can come become connected. Also in this election, housing is an issue, but unlike for younger people where, you know, the cost of buying a house is a real issue. For most seniors, it's not a question of buying a house. Most of us in our seniorhood are not going to be buying houses. But what we need is nonprofit affordable housing. You know, the Tories, when they were in power, they essentially destroyed the co-op housing, um, you know, co-op co housing program. And the liberals, despite what they're saying, haven't done a, a lot to reinstate it. We need more um, 
nonprofit accessible affordable housing for seniors. The the 2020 report by the seniors advocate said the average wait, the average wait for a senior in BC to get into senior subsidized housing is over 2.5 years. That is shocking and it's unacceptable. You know, what it means is 2.5 years of seniors living in, you know, terrible housing, unsafe housing and things like that. So it's really clear that one of the issues in this in, in this um, election is affordable housing for seniors. We, we're not going to be buying homes, but we need more affordable housing and we need new money to be announced. We don't need money to keep on being recycled and you know announced and announced and announced again. Um, someone talked about long-term care, and at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw the devastation that that um, COVID-19 was having in long-term care homes. I mean, it was absolutely shocking and absolutely horrific. In fact, in some places in, in um, Montreal and, and, and Ontario, they had to call in the armed forces because it was so bad. So what we need is an infusion of funding for long-term care. We need national standards, national enforceable standards <clears throat> about you know, staff ratio, staff to patient ratios and things like that. You know, and they have to, you know, and your funding has to be has to be um, tied to that. We also need um, to take the profit out of long-term care. I don't think that, you know, companies should make money off frail seniors' needs. We know that, according to the, 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 the 2020 report of the Seniors Advocate, you know, let the, 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 the for-profit homes spend less money on um, food for seniors, you know, um, in long-term care, um, less money for, you know, for, for a patient, you know, per patient and things like that. So one of the things in this election we need to do is we really do need to talk about, you know, standards for affordable care. And I would also say that one of the things that's becoming clearer and clearer to me is that, you know, some seniors want and, and mostly need to go into long-term care. But we also need more community-based services. So seniors who want to stay in their homes can afford to stay in their homes. And that has to be an issue in, 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 this, in, in this election. In terms of uh, uh, dentistry, at the four, you know, when I do information referral at the 411 Senior Center, we get seniors all the time who need um, who need dental work who are in pain, in pain and can't afford uh, can't afford it. We can refer them to a number of places that have reduced dental costs, and and the 411 Information Referral Program has a list of those people. But it's still for a lot of people. It's still forty percent off. It's still for you know sixty percent too high. We know that the NDP has been trying to get in, to get legislation on you know dental plans, you know dental care for seniors, but um, 
the liberals and conservatives haven't haven't supported it. And this brings me to to um, pharma care. So many seniors I know can't afford to take the drugs they're prescribed because they're too expensive. In fact, we have, have someone who I'm really familiar with on 411 who just talked about how the drugs she's prescribed aren't covered. So she's paying an exorbitant amount every month for, you know, for drugs. We know that, that what this results is in many seniors not being able to afford their medication. So what we do need is a national pharmacare program. Several months ago, there was a, 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 um, a private member's bill to bring a national pharmacare plan to Canada and was introduced into the House of Parliament. It was opposed by the Conservatives and the Liberals. It was supported by the NDP and the Greens. And, you know, it's it shocking, you know, and, you know, um, people keep on talking, the Liberals keep on talking about how we need pharmacare, how we need pharmacare, but it hasn't happened. And even if you have a, a you know, an extended health plan, we still need fair pharmacare because in places like Australia, no, sorry, New Zealand, who have fair pharmacare, and it also involves group buying of drugs. The cost of drugs in and of itself is cheaper. So, the, you know, so when you go to the polls, think about which party can also bring fair farm, you know, pharmacare to seniors across Canada. The, the, the last thing I'll talk about is um, poverty. We, uh, I mean, <clears throat> thankfully, the guaranteed income supplement has you know kept many seniors out of deep poverty. We you know we know that, but you know for seniors living on seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars a year, is still not a very good you know it's still a very difficult life. And so what we need is a government who will increase, um, you know, it will immediately will increase the guaranteed income supplement, and that will go to the lowest income Canadians. So the election is on Monday, September 20th, and I urge people to, to vote. This is going to be a really tight election. Every single vote counts, and we all need to vote. You can vote early. The advanced polls, I think, are starting tomorrow. You can vote um, at, at your district returning office, and you can vote in a whole bunch of ways. I also want to say, and I think Susan will talk more about it, is that we want to have? We want two things to be able to pass on to you know to the younger generation. One is we want childcare. I know so many seniors who um, are spending their whole lives looking after their grandkids. It's not that they don't love their grandkids because they totally do, but they didn't retire to spend full time being child caregivers. So we need to have a national child care plan. That you know, that's not you know money that, that 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 helps run centers and fund centers and things like that. We also need to have a um, you know I want to pass on to the younger generation um, a, a better environment. So I think I, I I so I mean I could go on and on and on, but I think I'll end there just to say. Um, and the 411 Senior Center has a very active um, the. At one of our board committees, and it's a totally open committee, 
is a Seniors Issues Committee. And if you're interested in becoming involved in helping keep politicians to account, this is the committee for you. You know, you, you just sort of come to our meetings. We've been meeting on Zoom lately. Bring your ideas, bring your comments, bring your generosity. So that's what I have to say right now. But please vote. I have to unmute myself. Oh, uh, I think what we're going to do uh, is allow just about five minutes of questions for Marion, and then we're going to go on to hear uh, Susan's points, and um, then we'll have a bit of time for questions for hers and comments. So uh, does anyone have a comment or a question for Marion? Well, I'll, I'll ask a question. Um, I don't know that there really is an answer, but I think one of the things that we're all concerned about is even if you vote for somebody who promises something, how do you ensure that they keep their promises? And this has just happened so many times. It's happened in the environment in BC that we thought we, we didn't think we'd be out fighting this war in the woods because we thought that old growth flogging was going to end when the NDP got in. And, um, you know, it, I mean, I guess it's easier for opposition parties to, if they don't think they're going to form the government. <clears throat> but even when, you know, I mean, Trudeau has broken a few promises too. So that even if you get, there's, there's something very disillusioning uh, right now about politics, which is the feeling that there's kind of a lack of ethics and people don't always keep their word. Just wondering what you have to say about that, Marianne. I wish I knew, you know, the complete answer, but I think and part of it is um, to understand that politics doesn't end in, in Canada on September 20th, that we need to stay involved. We need to keep putting pressure on, on politicians, whether that be through going to rallies and demonstrations, writing letters, lobbying them, um, whatever. I think that, that that's, you know, um, I think that's really key to it. I think that if we, um, after September 20th, we just say whoever's in is in and we don't follow up, I think that's a mistake. And that's why for those people in the greater Vancouver area, the 411 Seniors Issues Committee is really an important vehicle because we've been, um, we're, we're, we're currently in the process of meeting with two um, to um, provincial politicians, we met with Vancouver city politicians, and, and and we work with federal politicians. So I think really that's part of it. I also want to say that 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 we need to protect things like the Canada Pension Plan and old age security. People remember a couple years ago when Mr. Harper um, said he was going to change. OAS eligibility, old age security eligibility from 65 to 67. Guess who was in his cabinet and who didn't come out publicly opposing that? Mr. Aaron O'Toole. Hmm. And, and yeah. you know, we need to protect, you know, we need to ensure that, that seniors, especially poor seniors, are protected because if, if we don't can't protect the most vulnerable seniors, then we can't protect any of us. Uh, Dr. Ramona, you recently joined 411. 
What do you think about uh, something like being involved with the senior issues group? I was thinking it sounds really interesting. And I, I want to thank Marion for coming out with um, all that information, being new a newcomer, I didn't know about. Like, for example, the dental services, the costs were prohibitive. I'm thankful to have very good children who funded that treatment for me. But I, I can't imagine seniors on a, you know, not, not having a lot of income being able to afford that. And I'm sure there are other issues which, uh, um, which would come up and I would definitely like to be involved in this kind of a committee since I have a lot of time on my hands. That's wonderful. <laughs> We're meeting on September 23rd at okay. 2 p.m. Um, send your information to Charlotte who can then send okay. it on to me, right? And I'll okay. get you hooked up with our committee. That'll be... That makes my day. Thank you. <laughs> and then the other people who are listening, sometimes a lot more people than are on physically on the podcast listen to the podcast. So know that uh, the 411 Senior Center is open. Policies are being worked out for how many people can be in and scheduling. But the information and referral uh, is continually open. People can come in one at a time and they can get help with someone that refers them to different services, helps them get uh, signed up with for GIS or old age or just about uh, any issues. So if you haven't been into the 401 lately, you can come to it. It's at 333 Terminal Avenue um, near the Skytrain Station in Vancouver, or you can... Um, I, I don't know the the phone number by heart. Do you know the phone number, uh, Marion? I have to look it up every time. <laughs> um, and I would just say, just add to what Charlotte said, you have to be masked to come in because we want to protect everybody at 411, seniors and the staff. And starting September 15th, we're asking that you be double vaccinated um, to protect everybody. And I'll give you the phone number in a second. Okay, and that was a policy at the request of members when they first said that people could go back into the senior centers. We received a lot of uh, calls and messages from centers saying that they would like to ensure that people that they would be dealing with or working with when they come to the 401 center are both double vaccinated and are going to be wearing a mask. And our phone number is 604-684-8171. Say it one more time. 604-684-8171. Okay, and so now I would like to introduce you to Susan Gage. She is retired, but she's been involved for most of her life in peace, social justice, and environmental issues. She's one of the founders of the Global Village Store. She's involved in a community development project in Guatemala, and she's been an environmentalist ever since she was involved in the struggle to save the Clayquat Sound. Currently, she's one of the leaders in the Elders for Ancient Trees, a group of almost 400 seniors trying to save the last old growth forest of BC, and especially in Fairy Creek. Doesn't sound like she's retired, huh? Okay, take it away, <laughs> uh, Susan. Hi. Well, um, this is great to be able to talk to you a little bit about the Elders for Ancient Trees. Um, I think the reason 
you know, people say, well, why elders? Like, what's special about elders involved with old growth? But a lot of us have grandchildren, and we're really concerned about the environment in general and what kind of a world they will face. Also realizing that, you know, us boomers, and I'm kind of on the vanguard of the boomers because I was born in 46. We actually are responsible for a lot of the Earth's destruction that has taken place. It's, it's, it's happened on our watch since the end of the Second World War. And, uh, and we've actually, most of us enjoyed a fairly comfortable lifestyle, um, you know, using up more than our ecological footprint on this Earth. And so feeling kind of responsible for it. So how we all got started was back in last April or May, um, a number of us, just a few of us, eight or ten uh, of us seniors decided that we should go out and get arrested. I was partly getting arrested because my my 15-year-old granddaughter said that she was going to go out and get arrested. And, and I felt so badly for her. I mean, this could be on her record. And I, I, so... Essentially, I decided I would kind of offer myself up in her stead and that if anyone's going to get arrested, it should be me because I don't have to apply for a job or anything else. So there were a number of us that felt the same way. Um, and we started kind of zooming on this and trying it, but it wasn't that easy to get arrested uh, in Fairy Creek. And talk about sound, it was quite easy. You just go there and stay overnight and get up the next morning and stand on the bridge and in Ferry Creek, you go up and stay overnight. It's very cold there overnight, too. And you didn't know whether you'd be arrested or not. It was a very different situation. There were different camps in different places, and the RCMB would sometimes be there, and they sometimes wouldn't. So then we decided that maybe we would go out on a day trip and try to get more elders. And we started putting out the word. And I don't know how many of you know Jackie Larkin, who's supposed to be here instead of me, but she's quite a live wire. And, you know, between us, we ended up getting a huge group of almost 100 elders actually went out in convoy. And, you know, we had a little, uh, we had some media coverage. Um, we had a ceremony out there and we almost got arrested. We, we managed to get up to where some three protesters were locked down, but... When the RCMP, there were only about six of them, saw all these elders stalking up the hill, they actually got into their trucks and took off, which is very empowering. <laughs> and we got a very good article um, in the black press that went to all sorts of community newspapers in BC and everything about these elders driving off the RCMP. So this was just the beginning of it, and we just kept going. And now we have almost 400 of us. <clears throat> on our list that we send out a weekly update to. And we've done various things. We've had uh, bus trips out to uh, Ferry Creek, as well as convoys. And um, we, uh, we decided to, uh, one, one thing that happened that I was involved in was uh, in mid-June, um, a, a smaller, we were going out in smaller convoys because it's actually very, um, having almost 100 people was too many. You know, it was just in that there was hardly any place to park and it was just really difficult. And there's no telephone communication. There's no cellular coverage there. So we couldn't communicate with each other. And it was, it, it was difficult. So we decided to go out in smaller groups. And the bus that I was on 
um, was it was terribly rip, pouring with rain, and we got to uh, a line of what's called an exclusion zone. And this is key to this whole struggle because the RCMP have been setting up what they call exclusion zones or arrest lines, and they say you, you can't you can't cross into this line, or you know you'll be you'll be arrested. And we our bus got up there. We weren't intending to get arrested this time. Um, Partly, we needed to use the bus to get home, too. And um, this, the RCMP not only um, stopped us from going across, but wouldn't let us get to a point where we could turn the bus, where the bus, this is a big tourist bus for, you know, 50, people, 50 seats, could turn around. So we ended up having to back up in the pouring rain for about 40 minutes. Uh, on this very windy little logging road with places you could have dropped over the edge. And it was very scary. So um, this started, I lodged a complaint with the RCMP and some of us started talking. And in the end, we decided to challenge these exclusion zones, that we were just peaceful protesters. We made it clear that we were peaceful protesters. We should have been allowed part of it, like Avatar Grove was in there. It was a public a place people could go to the, the the principle is that we should be allowed to protest as part of our democratic right and we should be allowed access on the roads and the injunction that had been granted to teal jones actually said that peaceful protesters were to be allowed so <clears throat> we decided we'd go to court which we did and um the judge thompson agreed with us uh, he said he didn't need to add anything to the injunction because it was really already clear in the injunction that these large exclusion zones were not legal. However, the RCMP has continued to create exclusion zones. The media, uh, the media association, the Canadian Association of Journalists, also had a similar complaint at the same time, and several media people have been arrested or after this judgment. So that, that, that's one ongoing thing. Um, the other thing is that the police arrests have become increasingly kind of brutal. Uh, you, I don't know if you've seen the footage of the 60 pro peaceful protesters that were all pepper sprayed and some of them beat up. And it, 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 it's kind of, you watch this and you think, my God, could this be Canada? This doesn't this isn't the country I know. So uh, we're going to court again. Um, we're, uh, next week, there are several cases being heard um, between the Rainforest Flying Squad, which is the group of protesters out there, and the elders. Um, we have three different cases. One is essentially saying the RCMP is in contempt of court because of the continued exclusion zones. Um, one is opposing the injunction because Teal Jones, their injunction expires and they have to ask for a new one. And the third one is the elders case, which is saying when you grant an injunction, um, this is, you know, saying that, uh, that protesters uh, are not allowed to impede logging, impede the logging trucks. You have to consider not just the bottom line and the profits to the company, which has always been the only criteria for deciding this. You have to think about the public interest and in things like climate change and et cetera, and, and the right of peaceful, peaceful protest. And so 
this will be a major. <clears throat> the chances of us winning is kind of a long shot, but it's if if we win, it's going to be major because it will change forestry in BC. So. Right now, all of this might be a little bit theoretical when it comes to Fairy Creek because right now the forests have again opened after the fire closure during part of the summer and Teal Jones seems determined to log everything they can before the court cases and before their injunction expires. And also there's a technical panel um, that is supposed to be recommending deferral zones and they're recommendations are also coming out next week. So right now, 23 people have been arrested already today and uh, they've brought in heavy equipment and people's cars have been crushed and etc. But one thing about it has been very empowering is that elders do have, A, we have a certain privilege and status. We found that when elders go out there, they don't get pushed around the, the same way these young protesters do. The, the police are much more respectful of us. And uh, in fact, a lot of the times when they arrest seniors, they actually just let them go. They don't even take their names. They just sort of want to get them out of there. And the other thing is that we do have time, more time than other people are working full time to phone and to write letters and to really put pressure on government. And we have been told kind of a little bit behind the scenes, this is just kind of word of mouth, that this whole technical panel was partly uh, decided, was partly authorized and, and uh, Mr. Horgan decided to appoint this technical panel, who are all pretty environmental sound people because of all the phone calls. And I mean, we had elders that were phoning their MLA and John Horgan's office every, daily and that they just felt they had to do something. So it's, it's kind of um, whatever happens, it's certainly a, a been a lesson to me that <clears throat> elders do have, they have, we have privilege and because of that, we have kind of a responsibility to just do what we can. And we're not finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like that point that you said, we have time on our hands. One of the other things we have, particularly within this group, we've got uh, creative writers, people that have been parts of creative writing groups. We have three or four people, not all of them are on today, but we've had uh, three of the people that are on have had books published. And maybe we could do something on uh, the shift from creative writing or using creative writing to do advocacy writing and maybe crafting or looking at some of the effective letters. Do you think that's something that would be, does anyone think that's something that would be of benefit to them? You know, news releases, news releases and, and are, are really, that's a really good skill I've found to be able to do is to whip up a news release and get it out and things like that. Um, I think would be useful for, for, all sorts of causes that seniors are involved in. I think that what you're doing, Susan, is very, very wonderful. It's wonderful. And I'm worried about the environment too. And for my little grandson, who's only four years old, mm -hmm. and in another 10, 20 years, what will happen? You know, the way the trees are being, you know, cut to the ground just to bring up another condominium or a, another mall that we don't really need. Seriously? And, you know, I mean, in the next 10, 20, 30 years, what's going to happen, you know? So 
I'm glad. Thank you for doing that, whatever you are. I hope it's making a big difference. And, and I agree, maybe we could put a poem in, a, in an article or, you know, like, you know, something to show that, you know, the trees are very important. Like, I see trees disappearing overnight, you know. Yeah. And we don't realize that the birds are dependent on the trees. The animals are dependent on the trees. Like, they're so important to us. They give us the oxygen. They give us life. And yet, people don't, I don't understand. Why is it not that important for, for the government? Why do they allow the constr- contractors to go out and just destroy a whole batch of land, clear the, all the trees? Like, who gives them the permission to do that, you know? And these trees belong to our future generation, right? We don't have any right, even if I had a tree in my background, back here, I don't have a right to cut a tree because it's not, it doesn't really belong to me. It belongs to Mother Nature, right? And oh dear, the whole idea of this, this thing's happening and, and yet people are not waking up, you know. That's just so sad. I feel really sad when I hear about things. So I'm really happy that you're doing it. Maybe we could put poem poetry inside there or maybe with articles about how we feel about losing a tree you know mm-hmm. and things like that me that might help right yeah yeah thank we you. need to be cre- as creative as possible for sure thank you we need to make more people aware of how important it is a, a tree and then to grow a tree takes about 50 60 years well, and so don't, of, yeah, don't just go of, out and cut a little small tree oh dear you know i don't even want to start on that <laughs> some of these trees are over a thousand years old that we're talking about so they are oh not, dear yes they're, they're ancients that's another tie that we have as as seniors is that we're supporting these ancients supporting ancients right <clears throat> yes <clears throat> and, and how is that environmentally connected the old growth trees the significance of the old growth trees Well, you know, it's not just trees, it's the whole forest. And we're finding out more and more about these ecosystems. I don't know if you've heard of an author called Suzanne Simard, who has written a book called Finding the Mother Tree. And she's written about how she's done all sorts of research, which was ignored for decades by the Ministry of Forests, and still is, how the trees actually... I communicate and they through the fungal um, fungal rhizomes under the earth they actually communicate with each other they, they send uh, um, warnings and they set, they help their young survive and their neighbors survive and you know it's just very interesting we're just finding out about it. it's not just the trees it's the whole ecosystem that they support the birds and the animals and the fungi and you know there's medicines and insects and all sorts of things in there that we haven't even cataloged i think that um we actually are making a difference in terms of the environment although it's not as it's not the difference that we all need if you look at poll after poll after poll they say climate change is one of the main issues in this election 10 years ago that would not have been true and and that is because of activists like susan and jackie and 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 amazing young people who who are doing the work so i think that that for me the fact that it, it, it is one of the main issues in this election 
gives me immense hope because it says that our, our actions are having some impact. Mm-hmm. To that point, when you, you mentioned um, what can we do, that was one of our, our questions, was you know, what can we do to make sure beyond the election, these points keep can continue to be worked on. What are some ways that in either of your experience that you go beyond just going to, why, why just going to the polls isn't enough? Are you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the it's two things that are really important. One is to just keep in with the media and we're kind of learning on the, as we go about, you know, developing a better media list and how to really contact the media and not just send in a news release, but phone them. And, you know, um, because media are important. Um, And the other thing is just that contact, just phoning, demanding meetings with your MLAs, just keeping in touch with your MLAs and MPs and letting them know that you're going to keep at them and at them until something is done, you know, and even if they don't speak out this, I mean, this huge, our whole country is locked into this system of party discipline, you know, like I know that there are people in, in the government, for instance, who are really opposed to the old growth logging and they have told me so, but they won't speak out because party discipline, party um, cohesion is so important. Um, but still, there's things going on behind that you don't always see. And if you keep at these MLAs, and if they think that, uh, you know, that you're a sign of other voter um, opinion, you will create change. Might be slow, but you'll make things happen. I think we can, you know, it's free to send letters to your member, your federal member of parliament um, and handwritten letters. They really see, they, you know, they really take. So, you know, I think we can do that. I think that, um, you know, doing things individually is great. I think that what Susan talked about doing things collectively is great. And, and now, you know, and, and so I think that, you know, there are so many things we can do. What do the Ferry Creek people need now, Susan? Well, they need bodies out there. <laughs> and some of us are trying to get out there as well as supplies, because a lot of their supplies have been now damaged or confiscated. So there are, you know, groups of elders going out in the next two days, taking supplies either by car or, or a Saturday bus. But I mean, the other thing is just to, you know, keep on with your um, and uh, with your MLAs and, and MPs. There's a federal and uh, there's a federal NDP in, um, uh, person running, and I think it's Vancouver, Granville, Anjali Paderai, I think is her name. That is, she's NDP, but she's really outspoken against old growth logging, and so she's doing what most of the the members won't do. She's kind of not exactly bad mouthing uh, John Horgan's policy, but very close to it. You know, encouraging people like that, I think, is another another thing that would be really good. <clears throat> Letters to the editor, if you can get them in, and social media. 
you know, I have a suggestion, and that is that a lighter, a letter creative that gives the scientific reasons why the old growth forest is valuable to the environment and to 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 us as a species. But the letter needs to be signed by every senior of the hundreds or two hundreds or whatever, 500, whatever, you know, you could put one at 411 and put another one at, at other places and have. So get together a thousand signatures that says, hey guys, wake up. There's a good reason why we need this and you're destroying it and it, you can't recover it in a hundred years. You just you. Sorry about the noise of the train. Anyway, that that would be yeah. you know a, a, I'm a writer that I'm thinking you know maybe there's some writing I could contribute to you. But, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's you know you get a thousand voters to sign a document that says, "Hey guys, wake up." Mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm sure, that, I'm sure that information is out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is. Yeah. And that's the government seeing that information. But yeah, getting massive dignitaries is a good idea. Thank you. Neil is one of our people that almost every week he, ha he writes a poem. So I'll connect his email to both you and Marion around this idea of having a letter that could be put at different places where people can sign it. I think that's, uh, that's a great idea. Um, at Cancer Society used some things like that where they had a sample letter and they sent it and people could sign it in a number of places wherever they were, but it just um, increased the magnitude. <laughs> I like your idea too. I know that marketing companies have said that when people, when they get a handwritten letter from someone, that they count that as being like representing a thousand people. So our penmanship, since we are of the people who, who can write cursive, uh, that should get some people's attention. <laughs> um, sp speaking of stories, uh, Neil has written something. We've been experimenting with different forms. We, we have individuals who have written stories, people who who Two people, one person wrote a letter to a doctor and interviewed a doctor about their practice. Well, Neil has uh, written a story and he's got two other people with our group are going to read the voices. So maybe you could introduce uh, that, Neil. But first, let us thank you both for giving that presentation and ideas of what we can do. We are planning things that are going to be happening as we go into uh, October and uh, definitely, we could put one of our activity days uh, having some sample effective uh, letters to editors or, editors or some sample letters that we've used and then have people write them in different styles so that everybody can feel like, oh, I don't have to find somebody to write a letter. Everybody can have that kind of experience in writing an effective um, policy letter or letter to an editor or letter to a, an MP LA. Okay, Neil. There we are on mute. Um, this story is in response to 
a contest and and uh, I I've been fortunate to have been sort of awarded the, the Me Too prize. Um, but um, how it works is that on Saturday morning uh, at uh, actually noon hour on Saturday, I get an outline and the number of words and the outline is that the story has to contain the outline, not the words of the outline, but the ideas of the outline. And so uh, I get it on Saturday morning, uh, the outline for a a, a story with no title. The title is mine, but um, uh, it has perhaps the first or second sentence were were given by the by this the uh, Charlotte. What's the name of the uh, uh, writing weekly contest? I think. Anyway, Writers Weekly. Writers Weekly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Leslie Hebert and I have had the pleasure of working uh, uh, poetry and, and prose when we wove it together and we did a presentation when, the, when we used to do our, our, our poetry uh, in, 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 in New West. And so uh, this story I wrote and the maximum was 700 words. So it's really just a page and a half. So it's called The Alien, and I will start. She squinted at the dark yellow leaves blowing in through the broken window, scattering into the corners of the room. She never had any friends, and she had her translucent white skin and pink eyes to thank for that. As an alien, she had never attended regular school, which didn't help her social status either. Yet, on this freezing cold night, she found herself huddled on the floor of an abandoned hunting shack, surrounded by the girls she had met on one of the hiking trails in the nearby woods. Elias startled when the red-headed one of them plopped down beside her and leaning forward, she spat out the words, Truth or dare? Elia could never get used to the aggressive nature of these earth people. She asked, What is truth or dare, please? Stupid alien. Don't they teach you anything in alien school? I learn lots. What is truth or dare, please? It's a game where, oh, forget it. But we've got to do something to warm up or we'll freeze to death. No, please. If this is common knowledge I should be learned of, tell me, please. It's a game where you must choose to either tell the truth Or do something weird that you really don't want to do. I am always tell truth. Why would I not, please? 
The red-headed girl, frustrated at the innocence of the alien, either faked or real. Damn you, girl, or whatever you are. I want to know, are you a girl? Do you have all the right parts? Are you made the same as us girls? She gestured to the others. I do not know. When I arrived, your medical staff declared me a girl and entered that information on my papers. But never having been introduced to you, why, never having been introduced to why the doctors made that determination, it is information I do not have as yet, please. Elia's red-headed protagonist stood up. Well, perhaps it's time we told you how and why they made that determination. Just then, a small device in Elia's pocket made a sound. She took out a small square box and placed it to the side of her head. Yes. Please. There are three. Yes, I think good specimens. All teenage females. Yes, please. Now would be a good time. Thank you, please. Well, friends, you have been invited to meet my commander on board our mothership. I hope it will be an eventful experience for all of you. Elia turned to the red-headed girl. I think I am going to particularly enjoy dissecting you, please. Especially you, please. Four to transport, please. Dark yellow leaves continued blowing in through the broken window and scattering to the corners of the empty, abandoned hunting shack. Thank you. Thank you, girls. Thank you, ladies. I love the contest. I have won two prizes, and I've submitted five, six entries, something. And I every quarter, there's another story. So uh, I just was informed last night my last story was honorable mention. So oh, congratulations. Thank you. Hey, uh, God's gift to me is words and I try my I earn my living with words and now I'm in, I'm enjoying the life of a poet and a beatnik or whatever I am so I think that's a good anti-bullying story what what other context do you think maybe people hearing that story where it might be beneficial That if um, you know xenophobia as well, underestimating the other, mm-hmm. um, thinking that you're superior to them, you know, you're superior to anybody different. Yeah, I think of like going to meetings, uh, even meetings of people. You you presume sometimes that people of a similar age group will be nice. But when I went to the 411 Center, that was the first place I met people, and it was very nice. But I've been to some other places where I was kind of felt picked apart like that, 
alien girl. So I think it's helpful to make for any age for people to be more mindful of how they treat the other. Well, I think Leslie's really keyed in on, on the reason I wrote this story uh, is because of the, the, the way that, that uh, she was treated. Is that, hey, wait a minute, you don't, that's abuse. That's abusive, right from the outgo. And, uh, and I wanted to step on her. <laughs> hmm. yeah, I love seeing the tables turned like that. Yes. Say again. I love seeing the tables turned like that. Mm-hmm. Like Alia turned the tables because all of a sudden she was in control. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah all of a sudden they were aware of her power. <laughs> well, and we became aware of our own assumptions because mm-hmm. we were feeling all oh, this poor helpless alien and then to suddenly have it switch like that was really powerful that sudden shift well i know the contest likes a twisted end (laughs) i already know that that's uh, so i had to add some kind of a twisted end anyway I i like the dramatic representation of that so that really brought it out you know like the whole story Yeah, rather than me read the story, I invited uh, Nancy and, and Leslie to to be the female voices. So mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah, you got you got good taste, Neil. You pick up the right characters for your story. <laughs> you like voices for your story. Nice. Yes. I think you, the three of you did make it very, much more inviting and you could really picture the scene as you were talking. I was picturing kinds of people that I've, that I've seen play those same roles yes. at times. Yeah. And I think that, uh, like you say, you can say a hundred words on be nice or don't bully. Um, but to hear something like that, to hear a story really helps you to, you know, take it to heart. Did you guys rehearse that? Yeah, last night. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> How many times, uh, Leslie? There's a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you have to, right? Hey, they were wonderful because I just, I, I just uh, took the story and, and took it apart and super, to give everybody a part and, and labeled it and so forth. And at, at 8 o'clock last night, I sent it out. And nine o'clock, we rehearsed it. So we did it twice. Wow. And we tried different voices. And oh, so that so took a lot. The, yeah, the things, it took a lot of effort. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Susan mentioned needing letters and more um, media things written to the the media. And so I know each of you have got creative art as well as academic and other writing skills. So I want to um, think about a point where we might have a prompt that is one of these social issues. And whether it's a poem or a story, you would write something that would maybe speak to one of the issues we've heard today, you know, 500 people being having to sleep outside or wait two years to get an apartment or older people being there was a uh, 
with this fairy creek. I saw one day where there was a 90-year-old woman and they had her in handcuffs with their hands behind her, which had to be very painful. But uh, writing a poem or something to draw the attention to our MLAs, because um, in an era where so much is you can't get in the door to see people having a letter land on your desk or a story, or we've had some people, we've had members of our um, uh, Midtown writing NDP that have been on the podcast. We've had someone from um, Sarah Kirby from uh, Vancouver city hall. We have had elected officials. So just be thinking in mind, if there are things that by virtue of a story or a poem uh, that you'd like to have us do as an activity. We are going to be scheduling in things for particularly Canada Days. Canada Culture Days is September 24th through uh, October 24th. And it's good within the group uh, having people share skills. Like uh, Neil has gotten these letters. We get the same newsletter. I've just never written a story, but there's a weekly newsletter for writers and they have uh, prompts for things you could do. They tell who is buying stories. We're all in an age where the, we, we live in a country that presumes at 65 people are able to retire in the second most affordable city in the world. So writing is one of the ways that we can still make money. We have some evidences within. Leslie has sold work. Uh, Neil has sold work. I've sold work. Ramon has sold work. So we, we can look at uh, this as a workshop, something that you're working on. You could present or you could ask other members of the group to play some part, whether it's speaking or writing or announcing you as you're going to read something. That's another way that our podcast has functioned. So it is both uh, a medium where we discuss issues, where sometimes we bring people on where we want them to discuss something like accessibility in the city. And it's also uh, a thing where ideas that people just uh, ask, can we have something about, like uh, Ramona's asked, can we have something about the healthy brain? Uh, Delsa has talked about she does uh, not only chair exercise, but other movements. So it's just now I'm working toward uh, targeting and tying things uh, to, to dates. So you could send an email. Nancy is also working as a podcast mentor. You could send ideas to her, ideas to Ramona, ideas to me, and we can work on scheduling in what we're going to be doing. September just got here, and it seems like it's going already. We're talking about October 1st. It's like, wait, wait, we're just at the tip. Oh. <laughs> so uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on today. Uh, if anybody has any uh, pertinent idea, something that you'd like us to share or think about, you can say it now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> you know, I want to tell you one short story, and this is the premise of voters believing those running for parliament that in 1944 the Canadian government says income tax is necessary right at this moment but it's only temporary we'll get rid of it later <laughs> yeah yeah income tax in the UK was actually introduced to pay for the Napoleonic Wars yeah. But the Canadian. And the temporary measure. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. temporary? It's been going on for years. 
1700 and something, I believe. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but the Canadian income tax only started after the war. So. Mm. Well, now we have that one idea put forward of making um, pharmacare and ask you to think about what ways can we elevate and increase discussion around pharmacare being free for seniors that we do, do need to have that. And then the other idea of uh, uh, child care, as uh, uh, Pafula in indicated, a lot of grandparents are taking care of grandchildren when, in fact, instead of being able to enjoy their retirement years, we need to have affordable child care. And so lending our voices to that through whatever ways, you know, we have the noise we can make out loud with our voice, but we also have the pen that's mightier than the sword. So I'm really yes. just encouraging each of you who is a writer, those who want to be a writer, these are things that you can write about that are practical, and you could shift from it just being a literal plain letter to being a story or an allegory or a poem. Because you know how many times in history do you sometimes hear politicians uh, begin with a poem like that old poem, If... You know, if, right? If I can keep my head while about me, you know, you hear people uh, start with a poem. So the skills that you have, I really want to encourage you to use and for us to look at ways that we can use it to make a shift. That was one of the AFC, Age Friendly City. One of the goals for the podcast was to use our skills to generate and create an age-friendly city, to be a part of shifting the notion that people had of, or the profile of older people as confused, tired, um, complacent, et cetera, with people who, like Susan, <laughs> is acting up, looking to, you know, who, who gets up and says, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to get arrested <laughs> for my granddaughter. So it would definitely have a lot of things to shift the image. And so uh, all these ways, com com combining, I think as Neil mentioned in the letter, combining the scientific, where we have something that's got the scientific or social basis for something with the creative, that that's another way that we can have an impact and we can get leverage because each of you, as you have a skill for writing something in a particular way, there's a way of leveraging it when people either hear it on the podcast or that great idea that Neil gave. If we've got a template for a letter and we're able to leave it at different places where people can just sign it, and then whether it's the owner of the store or the head of an organization, once they fill up you know, a couple of pages, they would mail it into that person. That's a great way that a small number of people, like Margaret Mead said, a small number can have a great impact on a social issue. I'm going to have to beg off. I have another meeting to go to. And so uh, thank you all. Love you all. Love you all. Love you all. <laughs> thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. And you happy so birthday, Charlotte. Oh, yeah, we should sing to you, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Are, 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 aren't we doing a poetry on Saturday, which is actually her birthday? I have to, everybody in this group doesn't have the, uh, I'll send an email to our poet on. We have a Saturday afternoon poet group, so. Uh, I, have oh. a new, I have a new poem. I need to, I was, go, I, I need to read my new poem. I was going to ask, Saturday, are we welcome to that uh, different kind of uh, day uh, gathering? 
Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's an open yeah. mic. I'll just, re- oh. just send you the, uh, the, the email. Invitation. Link. Yes, please. Prabhula, you're going to join in, right, Prabhula? Yes. You sent me your email. Did you email me your your your? You have my email. I think I sent you. Okay. I'm, yes. I'm picking up everybody's yes. out of that. Yeah. Now, included to poet on. Yeah. We, we have to, we have, we have to listen on. to the poet. <laughs> Neil Ryan. I have to go too. So I'm All right. And thanks so much for inviting me. It was great talking with you. Thank you so Thank much you. for taking Thank the time. You. And we'll stay in touch with you and just send us notes too if there are things in times that there's stuff you want us to do. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. It was very inspiring.